Welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. I'm your host, Anthony Algman. Everyone needs to harness the power of data. There's a lot involved in making that happen, and this show is here to make it all a little bit easier. Think of this as an audio advice column for all your data and leadership questions. Our guest today is Doug Kimball. Doug is a subject matter expert on targeted solutions-based plans that support the enterprise SaaS market and drive growth within global companies. He's a business and technology evangelist focusing on advancements that can be applied to e-commerce, customer centricity, and insights development in the data management space. He has an extensive record of achievement guiding strategic solutions, global product, and portfolio development, as well as public speaking within diverse areas, including master data management, supply chain, and logistics. Doug, welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. Thank you. It's glad to be here. And I, you made me sound really smart, so I like that kickoff. Thank you. Hey, when the bio's written for me, I roll with it, baby. And it's, uh, yeah, that was a good one. I, I, I'm excited to have you on the show. And we were chatting a little bit um, uh, pre-show. And I am told by you that you were at the Gartner uh, uh, conference in London just a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's as good a place as any to kind of launch up what's new, what's new in the world of data. What do you have top of mind, especially in this world of, of knowledge graphs and some of these uh, cutting edge uh, technologies? Yeah, no, it was, it was a great conference. Really enjoyed being there with Ontotex. Um, what's funny is if I say what's new, some of what I would say is new is what's old. I mean, we're going back to still talking about things like data catalogs, metadata, those things that are the kind of the foundational pieces to any really good data strategy, uh, just the basics. Um, There's a lot of emphasis from Gartner talking about business needs and outcomes, and but instead of talking about just the shiny new things, which we'll come back to, a lot of it was around get your metadata right, get your data layers right, get your, you know, all those things structured to make sure we're doing things properly. Use your data catalog, you know, feed your knowledge graph to help make the foundation of things. So, yeah, what, what was new was a bit old things. But, of course, there was the talk about, you know, chat GPT had to be brought up and generative AI um, discussions around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and data fabric and data mesh are getting more conversations, more interest and emphasis, which I think is good. There's still not a product you buy off the shelf. Uh, but again, hearing how, obviously, from our perspective, how a knowledge graph uh, should be seen as the core part of a, part of a foundation around a data mesh or a data fabric initiative, mm-hmm. that was good. So there was there was some new exciting stuff and some kind of like, yeah, we've been talking about this for 5, 10, 15 years. That's great. It, it gets me thinking about just knowledge graphs and their role broadly. And, and um, you know, I have a fair amount of experience with knowledge graphs personally, but I know a lot of folks out there, it's still kind of one of these mystery terms, like they've heard of them, but they've never actually seen one in reality. And <laughs> I, I like it. And I'm curious your, your thoughts on this is that the, the, the way I start to describe the power of knowledge graphs to people, before I talk about what it is, I think of it from a data management lens as it brings us closer to the metadata when we're working with data because of the mm-hmm. relationships and because of the things that are embedded within that architecture. I, I just think like many of us grew up in this world of relational databases, ironically relational databases, where you have to basically impose your own relationship understanding a lot of the time. And there's things that are coded in there, but they're unwieldy at best. And so you're figuring out queries, you're figuring out joins, you're trying to reinvent all of these connection points all the time in relational databases. But with knowledge graphs, that's all kind of just part of the core. Now, do you agree with that? Would you expand on that? Would you change my perception on that in any way? No, I like, I like, you know, that you do the concept of relational data with the concept of relational database discussion. Yeah. hundred percent. And I love what you said about relationships because that is what knowledge graphs are so so excellent at is discovering relationships, finding relationships, 
sharing those relationships so that as you map these data points, whether it's you know pulling from a relational database or other systems, now you start to connect these, get these connections between these things. And that is the true power I see of a knowledge graph is that ability to, to find and make more accessible information that is sometimes buried within all these different databases and these systems that we have uncover and define these relationships. I, I, I like that you emphasize that because that's what this is all about when it comes to data. Just a, a point of data by itself, interesting, but data points when you start to connect them and find inferences and get some reasoning behind that to say, oh, did you know that? And you start, start to find more data, more insights, more information. To me, that you, know, you use the word core. I, I often talk about you know, a, a, knowledge, a, a knowledge graph should be the core of anybody's data architecture strategy because so much of that is based on Mill's relationships and the information you gather from that. Yeah. No, I'm glad to hear that that this resonates with you because a lot of times I try to come up with ways to simply describe complex things. And sometimes I just don't do a very effective job at it. But it sounds like we're at least in the right ballpark here. Um, what I'm curious about, because I know knowledge graphs are kind of a broad topic, but what you're doing at Ontotext, I want to make sure that uh, we spend a little bit of time on that because I think this is an area that a lot of folks take for granted that mm -hmm. is actually pretty heavy from a technology point of view that um, it, this isn't simple stuff. Can you talk about what Ontotext is doing and how all of this kind of connects to what you were seeing at, um, at, at the Gartner conference even? Sure. And, and, and remind me to come back to an analogy that I've been using recently that helps least help to give a high level picture for knowledge graphs. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, not the text, we are a semantic knowledge graph company. And to make that in a little more, you know, comprehensive words, I mean, semantics, words mean things. If I say, hey, there's a lightning, hey, there's a lightning bug. Two very, very different things. Well, because you have semantics on top of those words, you understand lightning means one thing, lightning big, non bug means, means another. Um, when you start to apply that semantics across all the knowledge and the data that you have in your organization, now we've got an agreed upon way to communicate. You start applying context to your data so you, you have understanding of it. That's where, again, knowledge graphs and semantic knowledge graphs, like what we, we produce or help support, that's where it comes in. Because otherwise, you've just got you know, data points, which, again, are valuable. But if you can't make a relationship to them, if you and I can't agree on what they are, if you and our systems can't agree on what those are, if those interconnected systems don't have a way to make those connections and have what is the meaning on top of this, then it's just a lot of data being shoved together. Uh, the, the analogy that I've used recently is I kind of put knowledge graphs like a SIM chip in your phone. And this, it's not the same, so please don't go crazy on it. But if you think about, you know, the SIM chip on our phone allows me, I could text you, I could call you, I could send you a picture, I can reach out to my colleagues in Bulgaria. It doesn't matter what phone system they're on, what you know carrier they're using, what update they're on you know, anything, because the chip in the middle is basically my connection point to create the relationships between me and anybody else I have or can get to in my contact database and share information and, fur and further develop a relationship. But you never think about your SIM chip. Mm -hmm. It's just there. And in some ways, you don't usually think about your knowledge graph. It's just there. And I was actually, there's a thread from uh, Juan Cicada from data.world you know, exchanging thoughts. He talked about knowledge grasping. I think he said the invisible layer, which I like that. I mean, in some ways, we're kind of a boring part of what we do. We just sit there as a database, but without it, 
Yeah. So. I, yeah. I'm, I, big, I'm, I'm big on analogies. Heard. They usually make sense up here. Sometimes coming out, they kind of go places. But. <laughs> oh, you haven't watched enough of my episodes. I am notorious. <laughs> my old team awesome. uh, in pharma, I would four o'clock Anthony with his analogies. It was often uh, a problem. <laughs> some, awesome. some, a small amount really worked well, and many yeah. were just completely uh, uh, uninterpretable. Um, but if it makes but, people uh, think a little yeah. differently and start to go, oh, and they start to form their own connections in their head, which, you know, kind of what we talk about knowledge graphs. Knowledge graphs are basically, they think the way we do. They make those connections mm-hmm. in the context. And you may say something or I may say something that you go, oh, I get it now because I formed a connection in what you just said. So, yeah. I love, I mean, I had never heard uh, knowledge graphs being compared to a SIM card before. And I love it because what I like with anything that we do with data is that there's a certain benefit to consistency and connection, right? You have to be mm-hmm. able to connect things and share information. And so, I mean, this is stuff we've been trying to do. You can go back to service buses and other things. Like we've been trying to do this in different capacities forever. And and I mean, language itself is an attempt to do this, right? Right. So I love that because you can think about it as a phone and obviously a phone is very familiar to all of us at this point, but the personal experience with that phone, once you get past, once that data gets past the SIM card and closer to my ear, the way I want to form it, the way I want to look at it, the way I want to, do I want to use earphones or do I want to use the the handheld or the speaker? Do I want to connect to a Bluetooth device or what do I want to do with that? I get to handle that last proverbial mile and form it exactly how I want, but it doesn't change the way that that SIM card connects to that other SIM card somewhere else in the world. And I love that because our data systems have to be structured similarly. Now, I love the fact too, that you mentioned that it's easily forgotten as it should be because you just want it to work so you can have that personal relationship with the things that you're connected to directly. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense too. However, we also have to recognize pretty important stuff, those SIM cards connecting to other SIM cards. There's a huge amount of complexity, a huge amount of technology, a huge amount of investment to make that simplicity possible. And that's generally a good rule of thumb is that the simpler it seems, the more difficult it was to get there. And and especially when technology is concerned. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you build apps on top of it. So you've got, you know, now you've got your, your, now I've just got my relation. At the very least, a phone is designed to make connections with people at the very least. Well, because we have smartphones, we don't even, we have, we have apps that are built on top of that, but now I, and I can play a game, a word game with you across the miles because of this relationship we've built with the phone, but you can build power on top of that. Much like, you know, a knowledge graph, you build things on top of that, whether it's target discovery, like we talked about with you know, drug formularies or fraud detection, or there's so many different things, Again, but you don't think about what happens underneath the surface. Yeah, and I think that the we have a broad audience at Data Leadership for Everyone, but I think for many of us, it's not that we all need to go out and become knowledge graph developers. It's about first understanding that knowledge graphs are a thing and that they mm-hmm. provide some really important value. And just awareness that it exists is a good first step. And mm-hmm. then starting to unravel what are those potential use cases? Where are those potential value adds? Where are those ways that we could then deploy this kind of technology in an effective manner to help our businesses or help ourselves understand? stand a situation or our teams or whatever, that is where I think a lot of us at least need that cursory level of understanding of, okay, how do knowledge graphs elevate what we can do in a way that 
eventually we can take for granted. Because I think a lot of us need to have at least more awareness than general folks. Anyone who's listening to a data podcast probably needs a little bit more information than the general population. But it isn't necessarily one where we all have to dive in and become deep technologists on every technology that, that gets introduced. And I think that that's where it's like, just because people take it for granted doesn't mean we should, especially if we're the ones sitting in that place. Maybe we're in the CFO office and we are saying we've got to decide where we're going to invest that that money. It's easy to invest in those things that I as an individual connect to and the things, the apps side of it, where I'm using these different functionalities. But you realize what empowers all of those apps to happen. And if you're in a big business, you need to be thinking broadly about what are those building blocks, those foundational elements that allow us to then create those apps that are really powerful. This is this is the world that I've inhabited for a long time where I'm both trying to be forgotten and trying to get acknowledged and understood because at the right times, I need both. I need to fade into the background at the right time, but I also need to be front and center when it comes to, hey, we need to make the investment in these things to have them happen so that we can fade into the background appropriately. Mm-hmm. And building blocks is a great one. At, at the presentation I did at Gartner, uh, I both times I used Lego as my analogy for talking about data. You know, data, and you, you build things together. You can reuse it. You know, make data reusable. So there's a lot of different ways you can go with that. But when it comes to use cases, I mean, to me, I hate to say the use cases are infinite. That's a bit hyperbole. But there's so many ways to look at it. I mean, customer 360 is one that comes to mind uh, easily. Trying to you know understand the relationships between your customers, your locations, your products, your services what they want to buy and serving up better analytics to understand how to respond to them. Uh, Fraud detection, I mentioned that. There's a lot of different ways, but the easiest way I can look at it from how do I, if I'm going back to my C-level person and say, I'm trying to justify this, is do we know everything we need to know about our customer or our product or our services, all those different things? Can Can we really get a full view of everything we need to know, whether it's an IoT situation, whether it's a customer, whether it's locations. Um, you know, the power of graph gives you the power of graph analytics, which allows you to run queries that you never even thought about before. So you might be able to ask questions, not just, you know, where is Anthony based? But what where is Anthony based on today? And it's, you know, create these lengthy queries because you can look at all these different connection points. So when it comes to understanding use cases for, for graph, knowledge graph and graph analytics, it's not infinite, but it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty amazing. I'm still, I'm still learning. I mean, it's like, Oh, I didn't realize you could do that with graph analytics. It's pretty cool. It really, it, I, I'm a, I am a fan of hyperbole. So I like to overstate <laughs> things uh, just for entertainment value, but I do think um, the customer 360 is one that I, I often think about because we, we often target, to me, the customer 360 is the step one in that we have to understand, but I also am always, this goes way back to earlier in my career where I was coaching, is like always ask the so what. So so what? Mm-hmm. We know our customer really well. We know everything about them. We know what they like or whatever. So what are we going to do about it is the question I want to ask, is that how do we serve them in a better way to drive better revenue for our organization, to have more happy customers, to have more um, ways to sell to them, to have more uh, uh, you know, share of wallet or whatever it is that is an important factor for how your business is ultimately successful. Because knowing your customer, good step one, doesn't make right. you more profitable, doesn't save you a bunch of money. So 
I, I encourage everyone out there to think, how do you elevate that? How do you get past the, we know we need to do a thing to how does this turn us into a better business in the end? Cause we all, everyone, yeah. technologists, business people, marketing people, whoever need to be thinking about how does this lead to more successful business? And I think it's too easy for us to get stuck in our lane part of, you know, focus on that little part of that journey and never even thinking about the other sides. I think you get better at that step, whatever your step is, you get better at it. If you start to consider much wider implications, you know, upstream and downstream of, of what you are uh, trying to do. And I think that's ultimately how you get to that world of SIM cards, right? Where you eventually mm -hmm. coalesce to a situation where you can get so much consistency on this function. It's been solved, but it enables so many other things to grow from there. Yeah. And I, and you, I think you were at the Gardner conference because you're, you're saying a lot of things they're saying is, you know, focus on the business outcomes, focus on the, the whole process. Um, I mean, that's one of the nice things about knowledge graphs is you don't have to do, you don't have to eat the, the elephant all at one bite. You can take one step and take it, you know, take a part of it in, in place. And because they're interconnected, you can make, you can, you know, go bigger. But to your point, start with the so what in mind. If we're mm -hmm. going to do this, we're taking on this project, we're going to use it for this, this and this. Okay, cool. And because of that, we're going to do these things. But the neat thing about it is you don't have to worry about, well, we just did these things. That's all we can do. No, with, you know, the, especially like the format that Ontotext is, you know, the, the, what we call resource subscription framework, you have more ability to interlink stuff. So don't worry about, well, you have to know everything. No, have a plan. What are the outcomes? Why are you doing this? To your point, the so what? I always say, I'm going to post it. So what, why, and who cares? <laughs> you know, that's why we're doing these projects. We're not doing them just because it's cool to do data stuff. Uh, you're doing them to solve a business issue or a data technology issue of some sort that's going to lead to solving bigger pictures, et cetera. And then, hey, I didn't realize I could do this or this part of the, this the department says, hey, I can use that knowledge graph to do such and such and such. The use cases just expand. They expand themselves. They become infinite. I Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they definitely do. No hyperbole. They can become <laughs> infinite. Um, but I, I, I like how you touched on how this can be iterated and improved over time. It's a far cry. Like it, and this may be dating me at this point in my career, but I think a lot of us uh, that are, are listening, the, a lot of the audience out there recalls, you know, I think everybody at some point in their career, I feel, has been involved in a large scale data warehouse of some sort uh, implementation where we decide we want to design the world and then it's right. going to take us a year to implement. And then when we do, we realize the world changed and we didn't. And now this thing is not well aligned to what our needs are today. And knowledge graphs in their structure, in their kind of matrix structure of relationships and connections and nodes and all of that, they're naturally designed to evolve with mm -hmm. changing and new information that gets brought in. And so I think it's it's not to say that modeling is dead. You still need frameworks in which you can connect this information in consistent ways. We've talked about that, but you also need this ability to flex to new and unexpected information, which data warehouses are notoriously bad at. They're okay at adapting to expected information because you add records to a dimension table or something like that. But if you have unexpected information, oh, we've decided to go into a totally new kind of business, the whole house of cards crumbles. And in, in right. knowledge graphs, they can they can catch that in stride. Do you have any examples of that? Like, is, does this ring any bells of like how you've seen knowledge graphs come into an unexpected situation and handle it more in stride than more you know traditional, we'll call uh, architectures? Yeah, and, and I, I I used a similar you know again hype you know analogy when I did my Lego conversation where you know we, we built we built the existing structure the instructions said build this and now we've got more pieces or more data mm. 
we did a merger and acquisition or this other department says, hey, I've got some data that might be useful to that. So we bring that in. So we take our Lego pieces because we can reuse the data. And we create a whole new episode, you know, thing, project, that sort of thing. Um, we've got examples from our clients who they started off by using a knowledge graph to do X, Y, and Z. And as they start digging into it, oh, we can also use it. We've got several people who are using it for multiple projects. They started out, let's just solve this one problem. But they realize they can do a lot more with it. I mean, there's, there's, you know, many examples like that. But that's again, and you definitely think you definitely nailed it, is that extensibility and reusability the knowledge graphs enable, where you're, you're less likely, very less likely to have that um, obsolescence issue. Well, we put a knowledge graph in, and uh, we don't use that in a year because it does It's technology that doesn't work. Te- knowledge graphs have been around for twenty years. Yeah. We're just now really the last couple of years really getting the feel of like how amazingly important these things are and people are realizing when they're using a knowledge graph. So I think you know, I, lots of examples of people saying, let's just get going with this. And as they get going, maybe they use a different knowledge graph. There's other vendors out there or they use another version of the same one and they interlink those. Mm-hmm. But that's the neat power behind that. It's an interesting point. I've long said, you know, technology evolves faster than people, right? So it takes Mm -hmm. people a while to get to a point where they understand the technology. I think of things like Internet of Things, the original, like the original use case was like a a refrigerator that would talk to Twitter. Like it would automatically Mm -hmm. send or like, no, that wasn't it. But all of these, you know, devices and all of the things that we see with home automation and stuff like now, yes, clearly we have evolved what Internet of Things is. And now it's becoming a much more mature uh, technology. Knowledge Graph, similarly, I think we're finally getting to a point where we realize, oh, yeah, data catalogs really probably should be based on these, not on mm-hmm. relational databases. Like, it's just a natural fit. So we're starting to evolve our own human understanding to the capabilities that have been part of Knowledge Graphs kind of throughout. Um, what I'm curious about, though, is, is to pull on that thread a little bit, is what are the stumbling blocks today? Like, why are why hasn't everybody en masse said, we're going to knowledge graphs and we're going to do a lot more with these because of their capability. Is it, is it a, you know, pardon the, the uh, pun, but like, is it a knowledge problem? Like, do people just not understand it? Is it a um, tooling issue? Is it what, what is it that has kept this from evolving faster? Cause I feel like it's 2023. We probably should have been doing this for a lot longer than we actually have. Right. No, that, that, I, that's a question I face when I go to events and I, I actually wrote a, a primer for our team because I can't, I've, I've been in different data management instances, in different data management disciplines, it is differentiation. So what is a knowledge graph versus what is master data management versus what is data catalog versus, I mean, if you, if you, if you have a good data management head, but you don't know the difference, you walk in, you go to a conference like the Gartner one, and it's a bunch of people saying, hey, we make your data better. And they're probably all right. Yeah. yeah. So how do... And not just from a sales and marketing perspective, but from a usability standpoint, how do we differentiate? So you use a knowledge graph for this and you use MDM for this and you use BI for the, you have to really get people to see where the, where a, each of these play in the overall data management space. And, you know, they, you know you've been doing this for a while. You, there's, a, there's a plethora of people out there who are saying what they do. Oh, we do enterprise data. Okay, I, I can list off probably 10 vendors off the top of my head that say that we help enterprise data be better. But what is their differentiation between, we do this part of it only. I, mean, I was in supply chain for years and you know, I'd work with companies, oh, we do end-to-end supply chain. Well, they really only did DC to warehouse. That's not end-to-end. But for them, 
it was end-to-end. So cutting through the noise, it is a knowledge problem in my mind. Talking to people at the Gardner Conference, you know, some very, very bright people. I'd say maybe a fourth of them knew what knowledge graph was or then or hmm. either knew what knowledge or graph or graph technology was. Um, hmm. Some had heard of it. They'd heard of our competitors, et cetera. But you know, half of them was, you know, here's what a knowledge graph is and can do for you and your business. And here's how it's different from XYZ uh, data management uh, solutions. So I think it's, it's just continuing education. We're seeing people be a little more, Oh yeah, I kind of know about graph technology. Okay, good. We're heading the right mm-hmm. direction. But I still think it's a how do you cut through the noise and differentiate so they understand this solves that problem, this solves that problem. And going back to our earlier thread, knowledge graph at the bottom of your foundation, then you build BI, then you build data fabric, then you build in MDM, then you build in whatever else it is. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, yeah, it, it, so many thoughts right now. Is that the the <laughs> we have so many like keywords in the data space and there's all these like overlapping Venn diagrams. So it just looks like a, a polka dot thing, but all the dots are overlapping. And, and because mm-hmm. we're not super precise on our usage of these terms. And so people use them different ways. You know, there's marketers involved and they'll, they'll, they'll make it seem bigger or you've got your data catalogs that can do everything for everybody. And you've got, you know, different aspects and all of these things that, aren't always so cut and dry. And even things like data mesh and data fabric and all these things that have come out, they're, they're well-intended, but they lead to more confusion than progress mm-hmm. because these things aren't simple to just go and implement. You don't just plug in your data mesh and all of a sudden the light bulb goes on. Like it, this is right. much less concrete as to what it's going to have. Then you overlay each organization and what they need from this stuff is a little bit different because their business models are a little bit different and their, their, their abilities to implement these in a way that's beneficial is a very, um, uh, unique thing per business. And so that's where like the natural consultant reaction, well, it depends, right? Like all of this stuff always depends on everything. And so it's very hard for us to get and coalesce to a particular, um, a particular answer for everyone. I guess, given that, the the long introduction to this this last question uh, before we run out of time is, what what do you do? Like, if you're a company at any size that is not using knowledge graphs today, but is like buying into like, yeah, there's something here, we should do this. How do you kind of cut through all of that morass and take that step forward right. into eventually getting knowledge graphs to be part of what your organization's doing? Uh, you get you got to pick your know, probably your top three use cases that are causing the most business pain in general. That's the way I look at that. And then understand are those business cases ones would be solved by having access to all of your interlinked data. If I can bring all my data together and or you know be able to look at that and query it and get answers from that, um, and they have the ability to expand that as necessary. To me, that's a good place to start. Um, we are not, you know, knowledge graphs are not a rip and replace situation. You're not, I'm not taking your data out of that data warehouse and moving it to a new location. I'm not having you reformat. I'm not, it's, I'm, uh, we're sitting in the between, I'm uh, oversimplifying, we're sitting in between layering the knowledge on top of from your organization, your domain, your world, bringing that together so that we now can create those interlinkings. What kind of problems is that going to solve for your organization? And I would say there's many, many, many ways that's going to happen. But that's where you have to start. It goes back to what you said about so what. If I bring this together, if I can interlink my data, if I can help people to discover data and insights and information and wisdom they didn't have before, 
how is that going to help me with my call center, with anomaly detection, with customer 360, with drug discovery, blah, blah, blah. That's how, that's how I look at that. Um, and then get started. You don't have to, again, you don't have to, it's like an SA, not an SAP implementation. You don't have to spend, you know, 10 years doing this. You have to get started. Good advice. I th- and, and like we had talked about, knowledge graphs do play in getting started small and building from there. And so that definitely mm-hmm. works. Okay. So final question, Doug, before we go, for anyone who is interested in following up with you or learning more about OntoText or uh, you know extending the conversation after the show, how can they reach or, or get in touch with you? I mean, shoot me a note on LinkedIn. Um, I always I always encourage everybody to, f- first of all, follow OntoText themselves on LinkedIn. We put a lot of information out there. And again, I'm big on the education side of this. Was so follow them. Happy to connect with people on LinkedIn and you know share my own strange point of view sometimes and uh, perspectives. But it's it's an exciting area. It truly is an exciting place to be, and those conversations are fun. Awesome, Doug. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. This oh, has been you. a great conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks, Anthony. And this podcast is data leadership for everyone. But if you need some data leadership for you, I want to help. So send your questions to podcast at dl4e1.com or my phone number is 773-888-2077 if you'd prefer to text or leave a voicemail. You can find subscription links and all our episodes at dataleadershipforeveryone.com. And until next time, be good to your data, be better to your business and be best to each other. Now go make an impact.